1: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
2: Finance tips for freelancers. As the tax deadline nears, would an app be of more help to you than an accountant? Why Paul Lewis, the money box presenter, is hopping mad at his home insurance provider. And what about all of those never-ending tasks on your financial to-do list? I speak to the US author, Professor Elizabeth Eamons, who has written a book designed to help us cross more of those pesky tasks off. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT podcast about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT Money Editor, bringing you all of this week's money news. Are you ready to file your tax return before the deadline of the 31st of January? Well, FT Money, we wrote last week about strange excuses that HMRC has received from people who are late filing last year's tax return, including that they were too short to reach the postbox. Well, can there be any excuse, frankly, for this year, considering the onslaught of digital apps and online services that have been designed especially to help freelancers stay on top? of their finances. Well, who better to tell us about this than Iona Bain, the award-winning freelance journalist who runs the Young Money blog. Welcome to the studio, Iona. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, accountancy and tax is quite a dull subject, let's not pretend. Yes. (laughs) So these apps, which are aimed squarely at young Gig economy workers have got some pretty funky names.
3: Yes, so Coconut, Tide, Albert, they don't sound like your typical accountancy services. But I think that that reflects just how much fintech is is really trying to appeal to the young gig worker. And those who are just starting out in freelancing who frankly can't afford an accountant in Mm. the first instance. So you've got uh, bank accounts with invoicing services. You've got um, really neat apps which just provide the bookkeeping that a lot of freelancers find to be a total headache. And then you've got services which promise to take care of all your invoices for you in return for a fee, of course. So there's lots of different fintech out there and it can be quite difficult to decide what's best for you.
2: Now, you've written in your article in FT Money um, last weekend and still available on our website, ft.com slash money. Um about a whole host of these services and others, whether they're app-based or cloud-based. And you looked at the comparative costs um, of all of these things. Give us roughly the bottom line.
3: So I think that if you are looking for quite an established cloud-based accountancy service, then you're going to pay more for some of these simpler apps um, that that don't require you to to sign up and and process all your accounts through them. So looking at the likes of Coconut and Tide, um, at the moment, they're very low cost, although in time they will bring out uh, admittedly low cost uh, fee models, but nonetheless, they will be charging for their services. But then you get to the next level of cloud-based accountancy services. And those charges massively vary. And you have to remember, of course, that a lot of accountants actually now insist that you use one of these online accountancy services as well. So you'll
2: upload, you know, your your cost, your receipts, the invoices that you've sent out, values, um, etc, etc. And then the accountant will get that information via the cloud and then work out... What you have to pay.
3: Exactly. And in fact, this is the direction that we're moving in because as of April this year, um, making tax digital will be the requirement for all VAT registered businesses. So that means that if you're registered for VAT, you are going to have to basically do all your accountancy online using one of these services. And further down the track, it may well be extended to all freelancers. But of course, HMRC want to see whether this initial wave of, of getting businesses online works and whether it can actually then be rolled out to the whole freelance workforce. Even so... My killer question is,
2: have you, Iona, done your own tax return this year?
3: I have. I did get a little bit of help um, from my trustee advisor, aka my dad. But yes, I have already done it because I think that, um, like uh, Hannah Martin says in the article, one of the freelancers I spoke to, it's far better to do what you need to do well in advance of the deadline rather than have... An awful day of panic, as she puts it, near the time. And actually, if you're thinking about trying to, you know, register to, uh, file your tax return online now, it's probably too late if this is the first time you've done it because you would have needed to have signed up to register quite a while back. So I think you've got to do it in advance and get it out of the way. And it's not actually that hard. I think it's a bit of a myth that self-assessment is this impossible task that only accountants can do for you. Um, If you've got relatively straightforward freelance affairs, I think, most young gig workers could probably do it themselves.
2: Well, certainly you say in the article, you do it yourself. You've got an Excel spreadsheet and a silver line notebook, um, yeah. which you use to, you know, pen and paper. Yeah. Good old fashioned method to note down what you're doing and a shoebox for your receipts, which
3: is pretty much the, <laughs> the system yeah. that I have. Very high tech, isn't it? Um, I have to admit, I have started to be a little bit more organised with my receipts. And actually, I find that my expenses haven't changed that much in the last few years. So if that's the case, then you can get a pretty good idea of, of what your receipts are Tot up that total sum for your expenses, submit it, and you get a magic number from HMRC. And like I say, it hasn't changed that much for me in recent years. So I've established a good system that works for me. And I think that the key issue here is that... You know, no freelancer, no two freelancers are the same. Everybody (laughs) has different needs. I couldn't possibly say to somebody else, you've got to do things my way because they work for me. They might not work for somebody else. But I think that we do need to perhaps bust the myth um, that it's all far too complicated um, because actually HMRC do provide quite a lot of help online for you to understand what you can file for expenses. um, And I found that online guidance to be really, really helpful for me. And anyone who's listening and wants to access that, that's all available
2: on gov.uk, the government website. Mm -hmm. And if you're also worried about the fact that you have left it too late and you can't pay your tax bill, HMRC are very forgiving when you can get hold of them on the phone. They operate time-to-pay arrangements for people who have miscalculated the amount of tax that they perhaps need to pay. My advice to you would be phone them early in advance of the 31st of January deadline, if you can, to avoid getting that £100 fine. Now, finally, Iona, before you leave us... You had some interesting tips in your article about things that freelancers might be able to claim um, for to offset against um, the tax they owe that they might not know about.
3: Yeah, I was actually quite surprised because I thought that I knew all the, the little known expenses that, that you can claim for. Um, but of course, like I said before, because freelancing is such a diverse industry and there are so many different jobs within that field um, you might be surprised at some of the things that you can claim for so for instance my brother is a musician um, and he's a member of the musicians union and they provide some really great guidance on the kinds of things that he can claim for such as stage clothes and concert tickets um, instrument repair costs quite possibly as well you know i think that there's lots of things that if you really think about Um, actually they would come under the the bracket of expenses so we found out that advertising on social media any internet business use any you know professional subscriptions or memberships you might have Um, I obviously subscribe to lots of different newspapers like the FT so I'm able to claim that those are all professional expenses um, and even eye tests so it's surprising really what you can claim for if you really study the rules.
2: Damn, I've submitted my return too early, not knowing not about some of those things. But thank you ever so much to Iona um, for joining us today. You can read her piece. It's online now on the FT website, ft.com slash money. And Iona, tell us where we can find your blog and follow you on Twitter.
3: So my blog is at youngmoneyblog.co.uk and I'm on Twitter at Iona Young Money.
2: Well, thank you very much for joining us. I'm sure we will have you back again on the show before too long.
3: Oh, I'd love to be back.
2: In the FT Money section, we are often urging our readers and listeners to shop around to reduce the cost of the financial products and services that you regularly buy. That could be your mortgage, it could be your electricity bill, or frankly, it could be an insurance policy. Now, Paul Lewis, the Moneybox presenter and FT Money columnist, hasn't been on a price comparison site for a while to change his home insurance um, contents and buildings cover and he had a bit of a nasty shock last Sunday when he did so he's on the line now tell us more about what happened Paul.
4: <laughs> Hello, Claire. Well this is my sort of mayor culpa it's my I confess you know we're, we're always telling people what to do to manage their finances but do we always do it ourselves the honest answer must be no anyway I had a renewal notice for my home insurance and it was going up 17% to £963.98, an extra £142. Now, that seemed pretty excessive. I mean, I live with my wife in a small terraced house in West London. so It's not a palace. <laughs> it is not a palace. And, you know, that's a ridiculous amount. Even what I paid last year, to be honest, is ridiculous. But anyway, it was going up 17%. So I was going to ring them up and complain and see if they'd bring it down a bit. And I've done this in previous years and they have brought it down a bit. But I thought, well, no, I will do what I say and I'll go on a comparison site, which I did, put in my details. And honestly, it it took five minutes, literally, because they're all on the renewal form, what, what you've got. And the cheapest quote wasn't £963 odd. It was £178 odd. It was a fifth, a fifth of what Tesco had wanted to charge me. And, you know... Guess, Claire, who offered this cut-price insurance? Was it a fly-by-night insurer with an office in Ruritania? No, it was Tesco Bank. The same firm? Absolutely the same firm. And if I went down the list, you know, and there were half a dozen or more on the list of Best Buys, none of them was over £200. So for insuring the same house, for essentially the same cover, they were charging me... You know, seven hundred odd pounds more than even their fifth closest rival. I checked everything, and it was all right. And I was just, I was just astonished. So of course I rang up, and I, I, I was very good. I didn't shout at them because, of course, it's not. It's their, not their. Fault. It's not yes. their fault, is it? They're just paid to answer calls, often from very cross people, I imagine. So I just said, "Can you bring it down?" And after a bit of umming and airing. He said, well, you know, it's gone up because um, of uh, its it's underwriters look at it every year and price it fresh. And he read out a few other things. And then I told him I had this quote for £178.47. And he was expecting it. And he said immediately, oh, it's an online discount. It's new customer discount, special price. And what about those underwriters? I said, will they be the same underwriters? No, no. He said, they're probably different underwriters. We (laughs) change them each year. And I said, when you change them, you don't give them to your existing customers. No, 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 yours will be the same underwriters, he said, i.e. the ones who overcharged me last year as well. And when I asked him if he could reduce the premium, he said, well, he could do a bit of it. And why is it, incidentally, that we have to ring up to get 100 or so pounds off? It's madness to me. It's, anyway, not, it's not good value for us
2: or for the companies well, who are providing the insurance. Completely.
4: Anyway, he couldn't bring it down to £178, so he said, why don't you just click on it? So that was Tesco Bank's advisor telling me to click on this better price. Well, I didn't. I cancelled my policy. I thought, I'm not going to give him any more money. I went with the second cheapest, um, and I did make a few fiddly changes to things, and I got the whole You added a for bicycle. Me. I added a bicycle. Yes, which yeah. we didn't have last year.
2: They, that is, That can be quite expensive. Well, it was 30
4: quid or something, yeah. I think. So, um, And altogether, it was well under £300, which was a lot better than £968. So I, I was very pleased. I'd made about 650 quid for half a day's work. More than you pay me, actually, I must say.
2: <laughs> well, I know. If I was in charge of the budgets, of course, I'd pay you that. Pay you that every time um, we have you on the podcast. But um, I should say that we, we went to Tesco Bank Um now, they have given us a statement here. They say that the cover offered online um, is not identical to Paul's current premium. For instance, the voluntary excess is higher on the new business quote. Now, if anyone is looking on a price comparison website um, to compare the cost of cover, the voluntary excess is basically what you would pay if there was an escape of water or a burglary in your home. Now, Paul, on your policy, the old one had been £150 for your contents as the voluntary excess, but the new one um, was a little bit higher at £350. We should say that, to be fair to Tesco, but still, it doesn't really explain the enormous difference Um, in the price of the two policies. They also say um, that there were some changes in the items which we've covered and a difference in occupation specified, which as regular
4: listeners to Moneybox will know is a bit of a head-scratcher. I haven't changed my occupation for, well dare I say, over 30 years, to be honest. Good. Um, don't, don't do not do it any time
2: soon. And they Tesco Bank also say that the online premium includes um, the new customer discount. So I, I feel like we've given them their say. As for the wider question, this problem is not confined to home insurance, and it's not confined to Tesco Bank either. They're all assets.
4: They, they are indeed. And, you know, this is why we always say to people, go on a website. And I'm so glad for once I followed my own advice. Um, but it is not like any other retail market. I mean, Tesco also run a supermarket. Now, if you go in as a regular shopper, you know, Mrs Scourage goes in and she buys the same cheese and eggs and beans and she'll be. she's told, oh, Mrs Scourage, same things, that'll be 17% more than it was a year ago. <laughs> and when she complains, they'll say, well, I know the aisle for new customers has been, has them cheaper, but existing customers get the same old suppliers as last year and they're putting up their prices, something shocking. Only new customers get the new suppliers. I mean, a." Supermarket couldn't survive if it did that. But for Tesco Bank and insurance, it's just normal behaviour. It completely baffles me. It wastes my time. It wastes their time. It makes me very cross with Tesco Bank and writing this sort of slightly vituperative article about them. um, And all for no purpose. I mean, if my insurance had gone up a fiver, expensive though it was, I'd probably have accepted it and not worried about it. Wrongly, but I probably would.
2: Well you can read all about that there's some great links in the piece um, that will tell you about other articles we've done about how you can switch and get a better deal including one from Lucy Warwick Ching our brilliant digital editor who helped her dad switch um, buildings insurance um, a year ago and he saved um, nearly £700 so well worth looking into if you want to read Paul's column he is available online ft.com slash money and Paul if people want to follow you on Twitter what's your Twitter address
4: it's at Paul Lewis money and uh, many Many people do, and I'm always glad to welcome new followers from FT Money.
2: Well, thank you very much. How many tasks do you have on your to do list? Currently, I have somewhere north of 100, which can often feel unbearable and never ending. But some of you might be listening at home and thinking, What to do list? That would make you an admin denier, according to the next guest on the podcast. I am a super doer by her definition defined in a new book called The Art of Life Admin, How to Do Less, How to Do It Better and Live More, which has just come out from Penguin Books. Joining me on the line now is its author, Professor Elizabeth Emmons. Welcome to the FT Money Show.
1: I'm delighted to be here, Claire.
2: Well, calling in from New York, I have to say, um, (laughs) above and beyond the call of duty, we're very glad that you've fitted us in on your to-do list. But Mm -hmm. you've written um, about life admin as an unseen form of labour. You say in the opening to your book that demands to-do bombard us, moment to moment, threatening to steal our focus and waste our time. This labour is often neither appreciated nor compensated, and yet no one can entirely escape it. Tell me more.
1: Uh, well, This project started in my own life, so I'm a law professor. This was a project that came from realizing that I was personally overwhelmed by this work and initially thought that I was just struggling with it alone. It was my problem alone. Uh, And then I looked around and realized that it seemed that most everyone I knew was also struggling with this kind of invisible layer of office work um, that um, none of us really predicted would be such a big part of Aspects of life like uh, parenting, also challenging events, um, you know, like an illness or an aging parent, they can come with oodles of this invisible labor
2: mum and dad men um, and kid men um, as two of the definitions that you've that you've given and obviously I I wrote about your your book in my column in FT Money last week and I think that if you're good at running your own personal finances you have to be an absolute demon uh, with the life admin and to-do lists because there are so many ways that the financial services industry whether it's in America or in the UK can make money out of inertia if you don't take action you'll end up being charged
1: more absolutely it's interesting because life admin is often treated as trivial Um, and in fact in some of the interviews i've been doing people who really don't get it will say you know i talk to a lot of people who are talking about important things it's really nice to talk to someone who's talking about really minor details of life and i'll point out to them that you know at least in the us one study found that 20 percent of us households that could benefit from home mortgage refinancing failed to do so. And there was a foregone savings here of $5.4 billion. Often, one study found because someone simply fails to open their mail. So the consequences here are huge, even though the individual acts may seem very small.
2: And certainly, I would agree with you that in the UK, the million or so people who are on their lender's standard variable rate um, on their home loan um, is is a shockingly high number. The average um, interest rate that they're paying is much, much higher than if they switched um, to another deal. One of the more controversial points um, that you raise in your book, there's a whole chapter um, on admin and the gender issue called Is Admin for Girls? Tell me more.
1: Well, the data that we have... Um certainly suggests that uh, women do more admin, on average, um, uh, than men, and particularly women uh, partnered uh, with men. Uh, what I found uh, in my research, interviews and uh, brainstorming sessions on life admin, um, was uh consistent with that. But also, I did see that individual situations absolutely vary. Um, and I spoke to couples in which, um, you know, men married to women do uh, more of the admin in those couples. One thing that was particularly surprising, though, uh, in my research on this, was that people often think, well, you know, the financial admin, surely for a household, though, is being done by a man mm. and a male-female couple. And yet, from the data we do have it, it looks as though... Actually, women more often pay the bills, um, and as to who makes financial decisions, there's no clear trend toward men or women, but it looks like men more often handle money when there's money to burn or invest, as <laughs> it were, but women take over when there's a need to make ends meet, or it's just the point of bankruptcy. Um, so it's really a split, but women are doing a lot of the financial admin for the household as well as the more um, expected areas like social admin or kidmin.
2: And we have written a lot, of course, about women and investing, and how women don't invest and it could be a new new theory that i will put out there that they're so busy with the rest of the life admin they don't have time to get round to the to the investment admin um but moving on from from that topic, I know that people listening will be dying to hear what your top tips are for getting more things done.
1: Well, I've collected them at the back of the book in a set of ideas to try. One of the challenges of a book that aims to help us live better is that some of the time you can finish such a book if you even find time to finish it now with a whole set of um, things filling your head that you're supposed to do <laughs> differently to make your life better so I've tried to make that better by collecting them and also by organizing the actual individual strategies around these admin personalities which you mentioned I have which there's a quiz at the back so it can be fun um, you mentioned in your piece that you don't think your husband would be the kind of person who would do the quiz <laughs> but no. many people I found did say that it's really enjoyable to do that quiz as a way in, and it actually aims to teach the concepts, but the starting point for all this is visibility. When you can make this labor visible, um, when people can see it, because it's written down somewhere on a list on the fridge or in a shared app or something, or um, also just that people understand that it's labor, that it takes up time, it takes up work, then much more becomes possible. Um, on, by oneself, it becomes possible to recognize, oh, I didn't waste my whole day. I spent my day doing really important work that just takes a lot of time and people don't appreciate. And when you're partnered with someone, it may be possible to make trades now. Mm-hmm. It may be that, you know, someone can both cook dinner and do the dishes because the other person is sat at their computer working for those hour, two hours on life admin, and the couple can actually see that uh, once they see that this is real work.
2: No, I completely agree. That is the the system that we operate in, in, in my household. I think that as well as not liking doing quizzes, um, my husband also knows that because of my job, um, I'm good at doing finance. And something that would take me five minutes might take him half an hour or longer just because he's not familiar with the kind of questions, the forms, the procedures even the confidence with things like online banking and moving money around if you do it all the time um it's a comparative doddle um but this also is potentially storing up problems for the future because if we were to ever split up or god forbid um i get crushed by a bus on my way to work then um, he's going to be left um high and dry financially because he's not going to have his his trusted super doer at his beck and call
1: Yes, well, there is, I think, a good argument for having the person who has a natural affinity for financial admin, if there is one in a in couple, um, be the one who does a lot of this work and then swapping out other activities for that if you care about sharing things equally in, in your home or fairly. Um, in some other areas, though, you, know, you can uh, redistribute it. I mean, no one really has, a, I think, a, a, a monopoly on, um, you know, on, on picking up uh, the mail and sorting it. Um, into into piles um, or sending things out figuring out how you're going to send things out for recycling so in some areas it makes sense um, to split things more if, if people want to do that but I think in the financial domain it makes perfect sense um, I you know Claire if I were married to you I certainly want you to be doing my financial admin so that seems <laughs> a very a very wise household decision um, and then I hope right that there is some kind of you know acknowledgement of, of that um, some appreciation I think there's a lot of room uh, for appreciation um, in in our lives, and you know there's good research that says to supports that it's good for us um, to have gratitude and for the person who's being appreciated
2: now, some practical tips um to finish up on now, I have something in common in you in that I used to use the notes app that came free with my phone to just list all of the things I had to do. And indeed, that's how you started um, doing yours. But it quickly became overwhelming because it was just this very, very long, never-ending list. What other options are out there for listeners?
1: Well, so Claire, I actually started in a much worse place. I started with putting my to-do items in my calendar in my phone, at 9am on repeat. (laughs) So I would just have a a growing list of the urgent things. Of course, they wouldn't get done. And so the list would just get longer and longer and longer at 9am. What I found that was interesting is how many of my interviewees had gone back to paper, Mm -hmm. had gone back to paper to-do lists. um, And Uh, So I actually do keep a running list in my phone. I use the Notes app still for the very long running list. Um, And then I switch to my, when I have a lot to do in a particular day, I sit down with a pen and paper and I make that list. And one of the tips that I learned from one of my interviewees was to put at the top of the to-do list a good day list of the things that are important but not urgent, that are the things that no one's reminding you to do, like exercise or long-term planning. Um, um, taking care of oneself or meditating, whatever it is for you that you know makes a real difference in your life. But it is very hard to get done and have that as a recurring top item on your list. So I have that on my digital list and I write it on my paper list.
2: That's a really good tip. I've also had colleagues um, in the office coming and showing me their bullet journals, which i had never heard of until yeah. I wrote this piece. Um, yeah. For anybody listening, this is a kind of special way of ordering a notebook so you can have a yearly overview, a monthly overview and finally a weekly um, overview but with dots instead of lines so that you can be more abstract with your tasks. Is that one you've ever heard of?
1: Absolutely. Well and some people really like to make beautiful things out of their admin. I have a whole chapter on admin pleasures because that was another big surprise was how many people I interviewed told me almost confessionally often that they actually enjoyed doing some admin when they made the time for it. Um, I have one of my, my proudest um, admin avoider told me that he was on an overseas flight to um, Europe and he was doing his taxes and he found actually it was a little bit enjoyable to his great surprise. Uh, it was a little bit like doing a crossword puzzle, say, and that's someone who really avoids it by his nature. And so learning that people have real pleasures and it's the only thing is that the pleasures vary. So I've set up a you know, a, a set of um, aspects on which along which we may vary. So you can try to figure out your own pleasures, because that's the key, is figuring if you, somebody else's pleasures. If somebody else likes technology and you like paper, it doesn't help you to try to adopt their technology.
2: Well, I have to say, I think if you want to get more admin done in your life, better stationery is definitely the route <laughs> that I would choose. And if you want a nice book to go along with the stationery, um, Professor Elizabeth's book, the Art of Life Admin, How to Do Less, Do It Better and Live More has just been published in the UK by Penguin Books, recommended retail price of 12 99 You can read more about the book and indeed about my to-do list in my FT column uh, last week, which is accessible for free on our website, ft.com slash money. And if you've got any tips of your own, do email us, money at ft.com. We'd love to hear from you and I'll put it on my to-do list to check that mailbox. That's it from The Money Show this week. If you'd like to get in touch with our team of experts, you can email us, money at ft.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at ftmoney. We'll be back next week at the usual time. Goodbye.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.